0: Is it a bird? Is it a plane? No, it's the Benefits and Wellness Superhero Podcast. This podcast is designed to help professionals develop the skills needed to get complete leadership buy-in on group benefits and shine a light on what's changing in the wellness space. Listen to tips and strategies that'll help you become a superhero in the eyes of employees and management. Welcome. To another episode of the Benefits and Wellness Superhero Podcast, I'm your host, Roger Thorpe. In this episode, we consider the relationship between HR and finance, where the synergies exist, and how working together closely can influence how decisions are made in the organization. My guest today is Kim Freeburn, owner of Stratitude Corp. and the regional director for the CFO Centre Canada where superhero CFOs help ambitious entrepreneurs achieve extraordinary things. Kim has more than 25 years of corporate experience, helping business owners, large and small, resolve critical business issues and develop strategies to enhance shareholder value and overall financial results. An experienced finance leader, Kim has spent 22 years as a CFO for Fortune 100 companies, working closely with operations, sales, HR, and talent management to build sustainable teams and practices while achieving superior financial results. She has spent the last five years working with mid-size and owner-managed companies to build value for the long-term by translating complex problems into clear, measurable, and meaningful actions, so entrepreneurs can have the time and money to do what they love, which is very important. Her collaborative approach ensures business decisions are holistic and values-based. Well, with all that, Kim, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Roger. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning, and I'm looking forward to our chat.
0: Me too. This is great. I appreciate you taking the time. So let's dive right in. Um, Let's start with sort of a, uh, a, from your point of view as a CPA and a career, obviously, very experienced CFO, how did your sort of non, very non-traditional interest in the HR side begin? Where did that come from?
1: Great question. Um, I I think I've had the very good fortune to work with some fantastic people over the years. And that happened very early in my career. And and working with those people, um, HR managers and HR directors that allowed me, I think, to be curious about HR um, and talent development and people who were generous with their time with me uh, more importantly, I think for me, it was people who led by example, so some very good examples of people who were values-based in how they approached their work. Um, they invited me to participate in, in projects, uh, things like steering committees, uh, compensation programs, ethics committees, just mm-hmm. those types of, of extra and additional activities that can take place with inside of an organization and really encouraged me to get involved in things that I was curious about or interested in. They also developed uh, my um, my real uh, quick learning type of approach, uh, being able to see things quickly at different perspectives, but they invested in me and in my development and really just gave up their time. And I think through that really great example, that led me to have more of an interest in the people side of the business, not just the financial numbers.
0: And I'm sure that's been a huge advantage for you over your career, uh, being able to see it from that point of view. It's that human factor uh, that's so key to any business. Um, So in the various roles as a finance lead, what do you think some of those obstacles would be that you, or that you had encountered in putting that kind of people forward agenda on the table with when you're working with HR and finance?
1: Well, I think there are as many success stories as there are perhaps failures in my career. And I learned a lot more from the failures, but um, I I was fortunate and not everyone looks at it this way. I was fortunate to work in a highly unionized environment for a very long time um, and experience firsthand how a people approach can either elevate an organization and its people and strengthen labor relationships, um, but also how weak leadership and a single focus on numbers can really erode uh, what I would call trust and create long-term sustainability issues for an organization. So you know, not that a union environment is an obstacle. I think actually it's an opportunity to see things in a different structured type of way. Um, in, in the positive sense, in the former case, where we had very, very positive uh, relationships, we experienced 10 years of 40% annual operating pre-tax growth. Um, we eliminated $25 million in debt and, and had very successful, happy, engaged environment. In the mm-hmm. latter case, where maybe uh, relationships were not as strong, uh, the company experienced a strike and the strike impacted the bottom line by $2 million in the first week alone. And it really changed the trajectory of that organization, of the company, of its team, um, but also the individuals and the people and families that were impacted by an event that was fairly significant. So, you know, I would say the very first obstacle is really what are your relationships like with your employees? And how do you get to that that level that can uh, facilitate and grow really positive results? Um, Some of that leads into what I call the biggest obstacle is mindset. Um, Mindset certainly at the the leadership level and the ownership level in a company matters maybe more than anything else. Um, When you have an owner that is self-aware, who listens, who who learns, who interacts with people in a way that values that one-on-one relationship uh, that people have, then the opportunities are really endless, not only for the owner, but for the people within that organization. When you have, on the other hand, um, an owner and you have a fixed mindset approach at that leadership level, it can become a very high obstacle to overcome. Um, For example, I was hired as a COO uh, to create a long-term strategy for a small company uh, that was growing and to address their high employee turnover. And, you know, ding, 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 the the alarm bells go off, high employee turnover. So, you know, I automatically assumed there were some opportunities there. Um, what What I learned, and this organization was small enough, it didn't have an HR lead. So my role included HR oversight. Uh, I quickly determined that the cause of the turnover really was a lack of structure. Um, People didn't report to anyone specifically. There was no big vision. There wasn't a value statement. There was a lack of alignment between what I would say problems and actions to eliminate the problem. Um, Staff were given, as an example, one review a year where there was a little bit more of a formal interaction between a higher level person and a staff person. But the the culture of the organization was people were discouraged from interacting on a regular basis with each other and with management. It was a heads down Mm -hmm. type of culture. And I found it it, it was really a very lonely place to work um, for myself and my initial interactions, but also for the people there. So... Knowing that mindset is a really challenging thing to change within an organization because you're talking about changing people and that's a very difficult thing to do. Uh, My approach to it was just to set about to change the environment through my own actions, uh, things that I had control over. And interacting with staff at a higher level, and and when I say higher I don't mean in the structure, I mean at a higher and more frequent engaging type of purpose having one-on-one coaching sessions, having lunch with the staff in the staff room, um, right. being a part of what was going on every day and, and really driving this long-term strategy I was there to develop from, from a coach approach and that engaged the staff and that involved all areas. So, so that, that obstacle around mindset is one that we see regularly in dealing with small and mid-sized businesses, as well as this relationship piece. I'll say um, perhaps a third third obstacle is the balance. And this is is something that's always at play within organizations. The balance between financial objectives, wanting to sell more, make more money, and then the people-centered issues and wanting to provide the best environment and the best experience and opportunities for staff. Um, quite often in struggling businesses, the financial issues are the predominant problems that the company is working on and decisions are made to improve the financial situation of the company as quickly as possible. That's the more practical aspect of it. Um, Financially strapped businesses have a difficult time giving back to their people at the level that they want to as owners and managers, whether that be benefit increase, uh, merit increase, bonuses, Um, other experiences. So if you think of of this obstacle as a scale um, and trying to keep these things in balance, then too much of one area tips the scales and it creates um, challenges in in many different areas. And if you're too numbers focused, obviously people suffer. Likewise, I think when leaders make poor people-centered decisions, the financial health of the organization suffers. Hmm. Uh, You know, a great example would be cost saving measures. Um, The first thing we do when we come into a situation or problem is look at it from saving costs. Do we have too many people? Um, And in most businesses, the payroll cost is really the single biggest cost that an organization has. So saving in this area can really have an immediate impact, but both positive and negative. There's a balance to this. The key to this type of of decision is to balance the need to cut costs with a strategy uh, that considers the talent and the people that you have, what's going to happen with productivity, what's an exit approach, and how can we manage through an exit in a really cost-effective way, but in a people-centered way as well that minimizes the overall impact you can have The stress to the people in the organization. Um, And and it's bringing forward those multiple perspectives when you're making these types of cost-cutting decisions and working on leverage. So not on cutting, but on leveraging. Leveraging Mm -hmm. the assets that you have to get more from them as opposed to doing with less and, and a different sort of mindset there. So you know, when you're coming, as an example, to talk to a finance person about adding an employee to the, to the roster and, and enhancing your human capital skills, um, sometimes that answer is heard as no, when really it should be heard as when. Right. So, um, you know, those are, those are some of the obstacles I see, the, the mm-hmm. relationships, the mindset of the owners. Um, and certainly that balance of objectives within an organization, um, you know, coming, coming to that siloed organizations is another big obstacle. And that's just people heads down, focused on their own areas and really not sitting up and taking a book around and seeing how do we synergize all of the talent that we have and the ideas uh, to move an organization forward.
0: Well, those are certainly some obstacles. (laughs) So those are, um, I mean, if you have an awareness that that is what you're living in, um, if you're in that finance situation or that HR chair, and you can see what's going on, I mean, I guess the next step is how do you get around this? Because you have to know what you're dealing with. If you come in to a new role in finance or in HR, and you've got the lay of the land, um, if these are the more, more common obstacles, what are the trends do you think, Kim, in terms of addressing these ones? What would those be in terms of fixing it?
1: Um, you mentioned one one thing, just coming into a new role and I think mm-hmm. there's the opportunity whether you're in an existing role or whether you are changing roles and coming into a new organization or taking on something new to really look at it as a new reset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the two most critical people, I believe, aside from an owner or the leader of the organization to be sitting at the table and making those decisions and being part of what happens on a daily, weekly basis is your finance person and your HR person. The biggest assets within an organization are the people and then the financial assets that that a company has, whether they be fixed assets or financial or otherwise. So having those two people with a seat at the table is critically important. I think all too often the seat at the table is is an operations lead, a sales lead, a finance lead, and that's it. We need to have um, the people aspect of things considered in having an HR lead sit at those decisions, uh, at those tables and make those decisions on an ongoing basis. Um, The trend, I, I think that, that I see in resolving some of this is the trend toward holistic leadership. And what I see is is an increased popularity with this type of approach. I think the issues around COVID and the style of work that's been uh, happening in the last couple of years has really brought forward an emergence of uh, mental health awareness. And so when people say holistic leadership, I believe in what that means to me is not only focusing on the what we want to achieve, but the how we want to achieve it. And I, you know, if I look at finance as an example, finance, the role is the what, what are we going to achieve? When are we going to do it? The HR piece of it is the how we're going to do it through people. Yep. And and by managing people and by engaging people. So HR plays a critical role in that holistic leadership of this. Um, you know, concern for mental health and wellness is now more mainstream than it ever has been. When you think even back three or four years ago, it really was a, a, a taboo topic in organizations. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that hidden cost and no one ever spoke about it. Um, Health and wellness programs is a way that organizations can give back to their employees that can have a positive impact, not only on the employees, but also on the financial impact of the company. They can be really low cost types of approaches um, and they can directly affect the bottom line. Um, An investment in a people approach, as an example. As a solution to addressing addressing uh, one of the obstacles is, you know, have a coach approach. Sometimes mm-hmm. that means not hiring a coach, which can be expensive in an organization, but it's it's having the people that you have in leadership roles have a coach type of approach to the way they manage. And maybe they're certified coaches. I, for example, later in my career got my executive co- coaching certification. And it's made a huge difference to the way that I approach looking at problems and assessing problems and right. it's taken away the urgency to act and more implemented an urgency to listen and right. to really come up with good well-rounded solutions to problems that can have a big benefit to the company and to the people um, and then I think another trend this is a really non-financial sort of response Um, But I would say the trend towards ESG, so the environmental and social and governance trends that we see in today's global uh, economies, I think, is really helping to address the obstacles of this siloed approach to business. Um, Mm -hmm. It isn't always about the bottom line. And I think we're starting to realize that bigger isn't better when we're talking about organizations Um, companies and leaders are finding broader definitions of what success can mean. And they, and they can balance that with the financial health of an organization with the global needs of sustainability. And we're starting to see now that uh, not only new industries, but organizations that have traditionally been your, your bricks and mortar financial organizations have farther reaching initiatives and values and goals that they're looking for in terms of giving back in a more economical, well-rounded approach. So, you know, those would be some, some of the trends that I see to address that is, is thinking more globally, investing in people in terms of coaching, um, and then looking for other programs to address mental health and, and those types of challenges within an organization in a non-financial way.
0: Yeah, wow, there's a lot of good stuff there. The uh, thing that resonates with me is really, again, tapping into the personal connection, whether it's uh, a manager talking to an employee more honestly and openly about, <clears throat> about and a bit getting showing empathy, gratitude, getting feedback. Um, that's where you're going to connect with people, right? Um, and those little interactions are obviously hopefully going to move the big picture. <laughs> that holistic approach, over time. Um, no, no, some great, great stuff there. Now, this is a good lead-in because I know you're speaking uh, with me in an interview, a short interview at the symposium in April. Tell us a little bit about that session and what uh, we can look forward to talking about then. Just a sure. little sneak preview on that.
1: Well, that's uh, that's going to be an exciting conversation. I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to that and. Um, you know, from my perspective, I'll be taking a, a deeper dive into the relationship between HR and finance. How do you foster that in really practical steps um, towards creating these synergies that I believe already exist? Um, how to work closely, how to influence decisions as a team, as opposed to working against each other uh, at cross purposes? And then how do uh, HR leaders and finance leaders come together with with a more global senior team to maximize, I'll call it the quality of decisions. Does the decision check all the boxes instead of a couple of the boxes? So taking taking that approach and talking about some really practical hands-on steps of how an HR professional can have a bigger voice, I think, at the table, how the role of finance can help advance an HR agenda and advocate for an HR approach and build additional value to a business and an organization that goes beyond what the bottom line has. Um, so we'll, we'll explore some of those details.
0: Okay, that's great. Um, I think there were some specific things we wanted to maybe leave people with before the uh, symposium in terms of ways HR and finance can work closely together. Why don't we sum up with some of those really good bullets and then we'll, uh, we'll end it there.
1: Uh, I think uh, ways to stay future focused. I love the future focused aspect. It has such a positive and encouraging and and opportunity based um, sense to it. Uh, How to build trust between the two parties. Um, and then I'll bring in this finance approach to, of course, we have to measure and we have to mm-hmm. monitor, but what are those really important key metrics that a finance person is looking for that will help an HR leader um, move, a, move an organization forward? Things like turnover, uh, insurance trends, mm-hmm. payroll trends. What are, the, what are different ways to look at information from a financial hat? Um, right, that can really have an impact. Um, what are ways that that a CFO and an HR director can work together? Uh, what types of projects can they really uh, bring forward and have have a positive impact, whether it be a union environment, um, benefit plan designs, um, other other types of areas? And then what types of information um, do these two uh, components of an organization's team need to really share and measure together the numbers, the metrics, the results, um, and and the trends, and how they can they bring forward into a into a future focused vision for the company?
0: Yeah, I think that last point is now big uh, for HR teams, regardless of how big the company is, is data. And analytics of those trends is so key, right? If you have a if you can see that on a dashboard on a reasonably regular basis, th- these aren't financial metrics necessarily, but they are the people metrics that then motivate the financial decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So you cannot uh, hide those, you have to have those front and center. So great, great suggestions. Uh, And again, that gives people a bit of a glimpse as to a little bit more of what we're going to talk about. Um, So just with that, Kim, why don't we finish up with um, how do people learn more about you and the work uh, that you do uh, by way of the CFO Centre Canada?
1: Um, Great. Well, you can always visit our website, uh, uh, Um, Mm thecfocentre.com. That's centre spelled with an R-E. Right. Um, we have some great stories on our clients, uh, on our people. And I think you'll see right away that it's very people focused. And our approach to business is really around how to, how do people make the best of their life and their work and live the kind of life that they really want um, mm-hmm. and have
0: fun doing it. Right on. That's a good point. Got to end it there. That's great. Okay. Well, thank you, Kim for that. That was a great um, glimpse and much more deeper dive into some specific ideas that I'm sure people will take away back to their businesses. So thank you again for joining me on the podcast. And uh, depending on the timing of when people listen to this, I will you know, look forward to our uh, our interview at the symposium on April 6th or 7th. Uh, and uh, that'll be great. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. Thanks, Kim.